from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. And you can walk out into the, the green space and, and feed yourself, you know. Uh. It's one of the largest uh, green spaces in Benton Park West, and we're building the smallest house in Benton Park West on it. Address a problem and say, well, I don't, I don't have any tile, but I have a bunch of toilets. I'm Elaine Chop. Dream big. That's a two-word phrase that's a charge, a challenge, and a cliché. Its commonness makes it easy to gloss over the big part as literally large. But in the wisdom of Winnie the Pooh, sometimes the smallest things take up the most room in your heart. Big is what you make it. And for one St. Louis couple, dreams are concrete designs for where they and their human, fur, and plant babies want to live. Our next guests have big plans to build a tiny house where they'll live with their two children, ages six and eight, and two cats, Joan and Nutmeg. Ricky Watts, gardener at Benton Park West Tiny House Project, glad to have you here. Happy to be here. And Dwayne Tiggs, who goes by Tiggs, craftsman at Benton Park West Tiny House Project. Thanks for having us. Well, thanks to both of you for being here today. Now, Ricky, your title is gardener in this tiny house effort. Can you give us background on the seed of this project? Sure. Um, I have a big passion for organic agriculture and farming and gardening. I've worked on a couple commercial agriculture projects and it was really high stress. Um, It didn't really feel sustainable. Uh, with the workers. And so I'm really excited about this project to kind of pull it back and focus more on permaculture and doing good things for the earth and uh, growing food on a smaller scale. And as a whole, what is the, I'm sorry, what is the, (laughs) what is the seed of this project meant to be once it's grown? Uh, Really just hoping to create a big, uh, large garden space that we can incorporate the community and really anyone who wants to come and learn and share and grow with us. Now, when it comes to the house part of this, Tiggs, I want to underscore right off the bat that your title as craftsman is legit. You have a master's degree in architecture, and you've been making functional and beautiful items for two decades How did that background come into play in the very earliest phases of this project? Um, I I think it came down to like taking a step back and looking at the, the, like as you said, the seed, the the infrastructure, the base of it, and what that was going to support at the end of the day. Um, Not just a house, but a community around it um, to integrate it into an environment that will help you know, sustain it, as well as be a really regenerative, you know, ideology, meaning you can always come back and it's, it's, it's doing what it needs to do for itself, you know, whether it be the native plants that we put in, for example, the elderberries and blackberries and 
um, the figs and grapevines. Um, these are things that come back every year, and they can you can walk out into the the green space and, and feed yourself. You know, that's uh, orientation is south facing so you wake up you get that sun coming in you can utilize those passive energies to heat and cool your home um all these ideas i think are going like more of on a, a macro level of looking at well what is my energy going to build bill going to be in 10 years what's my taxes going to be in 10 years you know am i ever going to have enough green space for my own sanity covid shows very quickly that when you get locked in a little bit of green space will really give you a little sanity so preserving the context of, of our, our natural environment while, while living symbiotically with it. And it doesn't have to be a 5,000-square-foot house. It can be the minimum need that you need to sustain, to find security and sovereignty within your environment. I guess it would be a short <laughs> So it really <laughs> is a, it's an endeavor that is about um, edifice, right, the building. It is about um, environment and about ecology, mm. kind of all of those things together. Now, as the name of your project indicates, you live in the Benton Park West neighborhood. Now, when you purchased your lot, um, did you do so with a tiny house in mind? Yes, uh, the plan has always been a tiny house and permaculture garden. It's one of the largest uh, green spaces in Benton Park West, and we're building the smallest house in Benton Park West on it. So there's a lot of opportunity for to do fun stuff. Right, right. The, so does that mean that you chose Benton Park West intentionally? Um, no, I've been in Benton Park West for about, oh man, I think 2006 or seven right before the 08 crash. So um, there actually used to be a large building there that was vacant for a number of years even before I arrived. Um, and then eventually the city tore it down. Um, and then from there, uh, I took the garden lease um, and you know the modem kind of thing and just made it a green space. And then Ricky and I came together and you know we're combining her love for, for you know gardening and, and permaculture and and creating a, a, a balanced uh, environment, you know, that we can kind of get lost in and let others get lost in, you know. Ricky, what does the lot look like now? It looks a lot different than it did a couple months ago. A couple months ago, there was a lot of native plants that moved in and flowers and birds. Um, and then we have the elderberries and figs and grapes. Uh, since then, we cleared most of the brush to reformat and shape everything. So right now, we just have the foundation laid. So you can see where the house will be. And then there's um, we built a glass bottle planter beds with the perennial sustain-a-crawl. Uh, back in October, some volunteers came and we had a bunch of people get together, and we used reclaimed wine bottles to make this really beautiful glass bottle planter bed. Then the spring will have all kinds of plants in it. Uh, but right now, it's very much a blank canvas. So, well, it sounds like a very productive blank canvas. <laughs> We're talking now with Ricky Watts, gardener at Benton Park West Tiny House Project, and Dwayne Tiggs, who goes by Tiggs, the craftsman at Benton Park West Tiny House Project. 
Tiggs, can you tell me exactly what the size of the home you're currently living in is? Um, it's about 1,100 square feet. It's a mixed commercial use building, so it's got about 3,000 square feet where our fabrication studio is on the first floor, and then we have a two-bedroom studio apartment on the second floor. Um, so that, compared to the tiny house, is going to be 420 square feet, which is bigger than its intended size by 120 square feet because we had to, by code, add a staircase. Um, so it's a little bigger than we wanted it to be. Um, but I think that we'll be able to utilize that space efficiently. Okay. Um, yeah. So my sense of space and dimensions is pretty terrible. <laughs> Can you, either of you, give us an existing physical reference point, maybe a, a public space in St. Louis, um, to provide kind of a feel for how big your tiny house will be? Um, About as big as a large living room. Um, two cargo containers side by side. Okay. Um, two parking spaces ne- adjacent to each other. Oh, that, um, okay. <laughs> so, you know, around that, around that size. Um, but it also, we're not just using the square footage, but the cubic footage of the space. So mm-hmm. we're going to have like a, a half loft in it with a walkout back balcony. Um, and the idea too is like not so much to focus on the house itself, but all the spaces in between. Mm-hmm. So um, when we go into the garden spaces or the studio space that eventually will will be built to the back of the yard, uh, even modular spaces like we have a, a, a you know a little bus and uh, we have a sailboat on the lot right now because um, we need to put it somewhere after sailing it down the Mississippi last summer. Um, but it's a great space when we have people come from uh, work away which are people who come and volunteer to learn certain skill sets or gardening aspects, and they get a choice to, you know, in, engage in these spaces, you know, whether it be a bus or a tiny house or we're doing a cargo container right now, which is uh, 160 square feet, so it's less than half of the size of the tiny house. Um, and we've managed to fit a living room and a kitchen and a bathroom into that. So tiny house is actually big for us mm-hmm. compared to some of the smaller spaces that we've actually, you know, put together. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a you know little it's experiment ground I guess as it were. And that's something that I was wondering about is whether you have past experience you know making do um, with with smaller spaces. Is that part of of your past experience at all, Ricky? Yeah, and I don't really think of it as making do. Uh, last summer. We spent a lot of time in our shabin. In oh, our shabin? Yes. S-H-A-B-I-N. Yes, okay. a shack cabin. Uh, the shabin is a 10 by 8 foot garden shed that Tiggs made from reclaimed barnwood, and we've transformed it into a small living space and then it has a 10 by 10 foot greenhouse attached to it. So we spent a lot of time out there this summer, and... We weren't confined to just those spaces. We slept in there and had hammocks in the greenhouse for the kids, but we would cook outside and the kids would play with their friends in the backyard and we'd spend time in the garden and engage with our neighbors. And to me, it felt extremely open and spacious to wake up and be just in the garden with all the plants and birds and everything. It sounds pretty idyllic. So you have two children, six and eight. 
Now, before you started this project as a whole, how did you go about talking with your kids about living you know, in, a, in a tiny house? And was there any convincing that you needed to do to get them on board with this? No, they kind of own their, their environment, as it were. So, I mean, if it's the tiny house, they're like, well, this is my spot, and that's mm-hmm. mine, you know. Or if it's jumping all over my truck, one will take the cab and one will jump on the roof, you know. Uh, they, they, you know, they. it doesn't matter really their environment. They really adapt, and kind of their imaginations are still huge and open. So a tiny house to them is you know, like a little mini castle, you know. Um, and we don't really combine them to one space, you know. Again, we still have the, the building across the street from the house that we're building with uh, developed green spaces in both. So, you know, they have a lot of freedom and open space to, to just explore and, and enjoy themselves. Are they going to be involved in the building as well? Oh, yeah, they're already involved. They're great with uh, hand drills and moving materials, they love it. That's sweet. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> um, your two cat family members, Nutmeg and Joan, what do you think they have to say about this? Um, I've moved quite a bit over the last few years. I think they'll adjust just fine. Are you planning to add any more animals? No, we got two kids. <laughs> so, yeah, that uh, takes the energy. As a parent myself, I can attest to um, humans being animals very much so. <laughs> In terms of the, um, the logistics, has there been anything that you've run into with codes? You said that you needed to put in a staircase. Is there anything else that you've encountered that... Um, you had to be creative around in in order to adhere to? Yeah, I think, I mean, that's like a daily challenge with the project, um, you know, and which also makes it fun is to be able to adapt to whether it be, a, you know, a budget issue or uh, material that's available to be able to kind of shift and figure out where you can make it happen, as it were. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, we need a staircase. We'll do the staircase. And because the idea really is to get the project off the ground to show people that they can do it. You know what I mean? Like, they'd be like, oh, you're, you're having a house built. No, we're building a house. The community is building the house. Like, um, so that there is this little, I guess, little glimmer of hope or like a path by which to take, say, yo, I can do this because I've seen it done, you know? Um, create a, I guess, a precedent study mm-hmm. for, for future endeavors, you know. Now, Ricky, we happened to meet you, not me, unfortunately, this was before I came on, but the team met you at one of our community listening sessions um, at Earthbound Beer. And I believe at the time you had mentioned something about the teaching aspects of the project. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Tig, you've alluded to it, but tell us a little bit more. Sure. I think that's a huge part of the project is bringing people in. And we're using a lot of reclaimed and upcycled materials. And that's kind of challenging the idea that you don't need brand new things to make art or building projects. Um, I mentioned the bottle walls. That was all made with um, found and donated uh, wine bottles that would have been thrown away. 
So we're diverting that waste and using it in a functional sense. Uh, we built forms for the to lay the footing for the foundation, and that was almost entirely made from reclaimed materials. And we had a lot of volunteers come in. Um, and I think just seeing that kind of challenges the idea of what you can use and what's trash. Mm-hmm. In this period, because from what I understand, you will be resuming some of the more intensive building in the spring. What will you be doing in that time? Well, we're trying to, uh, well, the objective is to organize studios, you know, community engagement projects where um, different phases of the building can be learned by the public, you know, whether it be putting up walls and we do a barn raising party, you know, uh, um, or brickwork, you know, just show how to lay brick and, you know, build structure from it. Or like Ricky mentioned, the bottle wall to show how you can take, um, you know, an upcycled material that normally would be thrown out and utilizing it in a constructive way, you know, to build structure. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, to, again, address a problem and say, well, I don't, I don't have any tile, but I have a bunch of toilets. And all of a sudden, I can break up these toilets, and I got 100 tiles to approach design solutions in unconventional ways and give people that confidence by which to go after them and do them themselves. Right. How will you know when you are done? <laughs> it takes a lifetime to make a house a home. <laughs> this is true. Um, is there something that you have planned to to celebrate when you get to that point where you feel like we have reached a, a certain level um, in this journey to completion? Oh, I hope that, uh, I mean, every day we wake up and it's a celebration, you know. And uh, so it's cool when you get to, like, share with other people. I can't see how a small house could contain the the positive <laughs> energy that that you all have. It's been such a a pleasure to talk with you both. So Tiggs and Ricky, thanks for joining us today. Dwayne Tiggs and Ricky Watts are the couple behind the Benton Park West Tiny House project. To keep up with Tiggs and Ricky's progress on the tiny house and the garden, or to sign up for their workshops. Um, on using reclaimed or quote-unquote imperfect materials, including toilets, to create art and viable structures, follow them on Instagram. You'll find a link to their page on our website at stlpr.org. This episode was produced by Maya Norfleet. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. 
St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.